There's a reason why in Florida, professional wrestling was deemed an essential business. Because it kicks ass. This is Heel Turns and Headlocks. And this is Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. I am your co-host, Brian LaPrey, and with me, as always, the icon, Bear DiGiulio. You're too kind. I do what I can. Well, today, on the topic of icons, legends, and Latino heat, we're looking at what could have been. Now, we're an optimistic podcast. We're not here to mope but instead praise some incredible wrestlers who unfortunately we never got to see go at it in the ring that obviously is a result of the recent revelation by bruce pritchard on the something to wrestle with podcast that eddie guerrero mr latino heat was supposed to face Shawn michaels the Shawn michaels at wrestlemania 22 Now, unfortunately, if you're unfamiliar with the situation, Eddie Guerrero passed away shortly before WrestleMania 22, and in turn, well, obviously the loss of a potential WrestleMania moment and legendary match is secondary to the tragedy of Eddie passing, but for the sake of this topic, we did ultimately miss out on what could have been one of the greatest matches of all time, and there's no way to guarantee that that occurs, but you're talking about two of the very best to ever do it. That got us to thinking. What other instances are there of great potential matches, dream matches, and dream feuds that ultimately never came to fruition? So here we are. We're giving you five, and we're doing what we do best. We're including at least one honorable mention, potentially two. And that all starts, I mean, why would we start anywhere else? Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels. And Bear, if you talk about influential wrestlers, I don't think there are many higher on the list than Eddie and Shawn. Since before Eddie's passing, you know, wrestlers were molding their personas, molding their styles to Eddie Guerrero. To this day, they're still doing it. Same thing with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is iconic for a reason on top of the charisma that he had or still has he could go in the ring this generation of wrestlers particularly if you ask the guy like johnny gargano if you ask the guy like tomaso chamba you ask a guy like seth rollins you ask anyone they're going to tell you who their major influences were and the majority of them will say eddie guerrero and Shawn michaels it was real it's a really it's really a shame we never got this match i mean on top of the obvious being that they're both really good technically in the ring, the promo battles would have just been unreal. And the accolades, the resumes, they speak for themselves, right? Latino, he has won gold everywhere he's ever wrestled. Two-time ECW World Television Champion. You go to the WCW side of things, two-time WCW Cruiserweight Champion, which 
as we all know, the Cruiserweight Championship was so iconic in WCW. Yeah. On top of that, he was a one-time United States champion in WCW. Then you go to the WWE side of things. Eddie had maybe one of the most iconic wins ever, just in general, on in sports. It's, you know, when Eddie went into the crowd, was holding the Mexican flag when he beat Brock Lesnar with a little help from a certain guy named Bill Goldberg. I digress. That match was incredible. People still go back to that match to watch it and see just how the crowd was just so into it. You know, Eddie was, Eddie's one of my goats and I'm sure brains as well. Yeah. And then you go to Shawn Michaels who, you know, another guy who the resume is just unreal, right? You look at the pro wrestling illustrated side of things alone and match of the year in 93, 94, 95, 96, 2004, 2005, 06, 07, 08, 09, and 2010. <laughs> it's unreal. Feud of the decade with Chris Jericho, feud of the year, you know, match of the decade. And then you look at his resume itself. You look at the three world ta- world championship reigns, excuse me, actually four, excuse me, three intercontinental championship reigns, one year, one European championship reign, one tag team championship, uh, six, sorry, again, I'm all over the place. Two-time Royal Rumble winner, back-to-back. He was the first-ever Grand Slam champion. We were robbed, and it sucks. It happens, obviously. It's just, Brian, this match would have just probably would have been another feather in Shawn Michaels' cap as one of the matches of the year, right? I, I think the best way we can put it is that few moves are as widely utilized as the super kick and the frog splash. And those two moves are directly synonymous with one wrestler each. And that's Shawn Michaels with the super kick and Eddie Guerrero with the frog splash. And you may prefer somebody else's, but you know what? There's only one. There's only that was a, one. That was a beautiful point, by the way. I just wanted to cut you off that. That's that's. Oh, my God. You are such a good podcaster. Oh, this this is why we work, ladies and gentlemen. We just inflate each other's egos but regardless here we are now but look point is you know if you look at Shawn michaels and what he was able to do you know obviously you look at the main event at wrestlemania 20 with chris benoit and triple h one of the best matches ever one of the best triple threat matches in history one of the best wrestlemania main events ever Shawn michaels was instrumental in that there are many people who argue that the previous year, previous to the match that was supposed to happen with Eddie, the Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle match, many people argue is the greatest match of all time. If you don't believe that, I think most people would agree that's about as five stars as five stars gets. And as Bear said, that no hold barred match with Vince McMahon was actually a really good match. A match and. No slight against Vince. The man is nothing if not a showman. But we saw Sean in the ring with, you know, Chris Benoit, Bret Hart, Kurt Angle on the WrestleMania stage. We saw him in the ring with an older Ric Flair on the WrestleMania stage. Eddie Guerrero is every bit the wrestler that all those guys that I just named are and were. You know, it and... Sean and Eddie, two of the best storytellers to ever do it. It's a shame we never got to see it, especially on a, now that we know that if we did get to see it, it would have been at WrestleMania, potentially for a world title. 
that that's that's about as big as the oh my god how didn't we get this gets unfortunately eddie tragically passed away we all still miss him thank you for the memories eddie and of course thank you sean for an incredible career and on that note we move on from sean michaels to the only guy we could move on to bret hart now if you're like me you've probably used quarantine to watch a lot of wrestling and maybe catch up on some wrestling that you weren't as familiar with as you needed to be for me that was bret hart i own that i admit that the guy was ridiculous one of the best technical wrestlers ever obviously a five-time wwe champion WWF, but we'll call it WWE because they don't have a panda on their logo. Even though his WCW reign wasn't exactly, you know, what people were hoping for, still a, a triple crown champion, multi-time world heavyweight champion, four-time United States champion. Bret Hart was also a great intercontinental champion. And of course, he and Jim Neidhart, one of the best tag teams ever. Bret Hart did it all, singles, tag team, whatever. He's a legitimate GOAT candidate. He's a guy who you put him in the ring with anybody, it's going to be a great match, both technically and the story. So we got to thinking, damn, imagine if we got to see Bret Hart with one of the few guys who actually rivals him, if not exceeds him, as a technical wrestler. And bear that, well, that's Kurt Angle. What a match that would be, you know. Um, two Hall of Fame careers, obviously, they're both in the Hall of Fame already. Both, unfortunately, retired at the moment. You know, Kurt Angle, one of those things, he'll probably come out of it eventually, right? <laughs> I don't know if he's a, he'll keep his last match as against Baron Corbin. I digress. Bret Hart against Kurt Angle would have been just what Brian said. Brian's more of the technical guy, so... I'm going to deflect to him here in a second, but imagine the submissions. Imagine, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about them being more technically sound in the ring, but Kurt Angle in particular was really underrated on the mic. Yeah. He would have definitely had this feud just captivating on the microphone as well. And Bret Hart, I don't think he was a bad promo guy either. I mean, for God's sake, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. That's an iconic line in sports entertainment and all of wrestling. Yeah. It this match above all else would have been just it's it's unreal to think of the potential, especially on the technical side of things. Because again, submission hold after just I don't know. I this match in particular of everything on this list probably has me at a most loss for words. Yeah. You know, Kurt Angle and Bret Hart all obviously they're Career somewhat parallel each other, right? You know, became multi-time, five-plus-time world champions within the WWE world. Um, I guess weren't necessarily happy with the way things were going near the end of their run in Vince McMahon's company. And then they went to the top competition. Bret Hart, as we said, you know, his run in WCW wasn't exactly everything that people wanted it to be through really not much fault of his own. I guess that's subjective, but we'll leave it at that. Kurt Angle went to TNA and helped elevate it to be the, really the top competition that WWE has had in quite some time. And, and I understand AEW, but TNA sustained growth 
for the better part of a decade. And, and I don't think we talk about that enough. And obviously you've got the X division guys and AJ styles and Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, who helped build that foundation. But Kurt angle came in and the whole landscape of wrestling changed. And it's a shame that maybe people didn't watch as much TNA back then as they should have, because Kurt angle had some of the best matches I've ever seen in TNA. And I know a lot of people who share that opinion. You know, we got to see Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle and Sting, Kurt Angle and AJ Styles, you know, Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett had a weird pseudo, but still good feud uh, over a wife that went from one of them to the other one. Not the point. Point is Kurt Angle and Bret Hart, two guys who made wrestling feel real, two guys who were masters of their craft and two guys who, as Bear said, submission wrestling you, you don't get much better than Bret Hart and Kurt Angle. And you could honestly argue that you don't get any better than Kurt Angle and Bret Hart. And for that reason, it had to make the list. It, you know, not, not every match is going to be a, a direct, you know, a, a direct comparison between similar styles. And you know, obviously Bret Hart and Kurt Angle both had things that made them different, but you know, that submission mat based wrestling and, the tough upbringing one through the the famous heart dungeon and one as an olympic gold medalist wrestler who broke his freaking neck sometimes those styles they just come together beautifully and harmoniously i think this is one of those situations where that would have happened sometimes styles clash and it works out and sometimes it's just about larger than life personalities and bear that takes us to number three on our list and by the way this is in no specific order it's pretty much alphabetically. We just figured we'd start with Eddie and Sean because that's the whole reason we're doing this. Number three on the list, though, I mean, pretty much the main event on any card you could ever book in any city in the world in any generation. I, I know that sounds extreme, but ladies and gentlemen, does it get any bigger than Hulk Hogan versus Bears Goat Stone Cold Steve Austin? The glass shattering versus real American. Yeah. You know, this will go, this will probably go down as one of the biggest matches to never happen. You know, yeah. we didn't do this list in order of any specific order, like Brian mentioned. It's more alphabetical, but when you look at a main event anywhere at any time period, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, excuse me, versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> maybe the most iconic face to ever come out of wrestling, the most iconic name to ever come out of professional wrestling. Yeah. Stone Cold's up there. The Rock is up there. You know, good old Dwayne. The Undertaker's up there. But at the end of the day, you know, Hogan led the 80s alongside Andre the Giant and Macho Man Randy Savage and a bunch of other names, right? But at the end of the day, Hulk Hogan was WWF. Yeah. When he left and new blood started arising, Stone Cold Steve Austin was WWF. Both of these guys, similar to Kurt Angle and Bret Hart, where the careers are kind of parallel. You know, they both had stints in WCW. Obviously, Hulk Hogan's stint in WCW was a lot more successful, being he won the world championship there six times, of course. Yeah, six times. And then you look at the WWF side of things for Hogan, 
six-time WWF champion, a two-time Royal Rumble winner, two-time Hall of Famer. You know, he got in individually and with the New World Order. Hogan is one of the greatest of all time. Now, Austin, on the flip side, another guy that led the charge during the Attitude Era. There's no Attitude Era without Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's why he's my GOAT. Now, the GOAT is subjective, of course. But you look at his resume, too, and you see six WWF WWF championship reigns, just like Hogan. And then you look at two-time Intercontinental Champion. He held the Million Dollar Championship, four-time Tag Team Champion, King of the Ring in 96, which gave us the Austin 316 promo. And then he got not one, not two, but three Royal Rumble wins and, obviously, a Hall of Famer. Technically, would this match have been as great in ring that Sean my or excuse me that Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle would have been not necessarily but it didn't need to be this match would have probably given the fans the electricity that um that Hogan and Rock match had at that WrestleMania where the crowd was just in the palm of their hands that match didn't have to be you know a five star match according to some because the the crowd made it what it was yeah. This match would have, I think, would have done the same thing. Maybe even bigger. This match would have had to have been, obviously, at a WrestleMania, but it might have had to have been at the biggest WrestleMania of all time. You know what I mean? Like, it would have been the greatest, the biggest main event in all of entertainment, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, Hogan, Austin, you know, your rankings can be whatever they are in terms of your GOAT list. It's all subjective. In terms of simply asking the question, who are the two biggest stars in the history of wrestling? I mean, Hogan and Austin are either near or at the very top of that list. You know, obviously with Hogan, not only probably the most popular baby face to ever do it, but his heel turn was a landscape altering event that changed professional wrestling forever. And that was when everybody was tired of him and already booing him. And he had grown, his act had grown tired. And even still, he found a way to turn wrestling on its head. And yes, NWO killed WCW to some extent. But it also elevated it to the point of being able to surpass the WWF. And the guy who kind of turned the tables was Stone Cold Steve Austin. We saw them working against each other. It just happened to be in different companies. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, much like Hogan in the 80s, and I think this is what makes them so unique. Hulk Hogan in the 80s was a character who captured the essence of the 80s. You know, you look at movies from the 80s, the the protagonists are Hulk Hogan, you know, that they're that type of clean cut, good guy. I'm a real American kind of wrestler. No, we're not going to get into whether or not he is a real American, but point is that that's what he was for the eighties. He was the prototypical hero. And look, a lot of people talk about, let's say the WrestleMania where Yokozuna beats Bret Hart and then Hulk Hogan comes out and somehow has a world title match and beats Yokozuna. Ridiculous, right? Not denying it. But go back and watch that event. During the Bret Hart versus Yokozuna match, the fans are chanting for Hogan. And when he comes out, the fans go crazy. Does that necessarily make it good booking? I don't know. I'm not here to tell you anything. 
because I don't know anything. What I do know is Hogan was immensely over, and then you go to the 90s, and Austin was the same thing. You went from clean-cut, all-American, this and that, to the rebellious age of Nirvana and grungy music and hip-hop and all this stuff that had changed the entire country into this counterculture kind of movement. And Stone Cold Steve Austin embodied all of it. And I know that there are some who might prefer The Rock, let's say, but Stone Cold Steve Austin and the emergence of that character is what really not only changed WWF, but changed professional wrestling. It, it, it sparked the Attitude Era, as Bear said. And more than anything, I think it it really solidifies Stone Cold Steve Austin as just one of those guys where it's like, look, who knows if that would have worked in any other era? It probably wouldn't have just like Hogan wouldn't have worked in any other era. But you know what? They dominated their respective eras in ways that no one else has dominated their respective eras. And you can throw in guys like Bruno San Martino. I'll respect that. But Hogan and Austin, it's about as big as it gets. That is box office. And if you don't put that in the main event, whatever match has to follow it is going to suffer because of that. Unless, well you know, maybe this match might put up a little bit of a fight. Perhaps not as big as those guys, but about as close as it gets because the ultimate dream match beyond that would have to be Macho Man Randy Savage versus The Rock. Two of the biggest personalities in the history of professional wrestling, two of the best promos in the history of professional wrestling, and quite frankly, two of the most entertaining wrestlers in professional wrestling history, guys who were over the top and yet believable at the same time, an art. Guys who are cultural icons, not only within professional wrestling, but outside of professional wrestling. And sure, maybe Savage wasn't as big as Hogan, but he was as instrumental as anyone to Hogan being the megastar that he became because the Mega Powers feud is the definitive babyface feud of Hulk Hogan's career. Stone Cold Steve Austin reached those heights before The Rock came, or The Rock, I guess, became The Rock, just like Hogan did before Savage became Macho Man. But Stone Cold Steve Austin was able to sustain what he did because that Rock and Austin feud, I mean, that, that was Monday Night Raw. That was WWF. That ultimately created SmackDown. You, that's what it was all about. And, and I think, look, if you're going to have a card with Hogan Austin, you better have Savage Rock because I don't know what the hell they're going to say in a promo, but damn it, Bear, it's going to be crazy. It's probably safe to say that they're the two best promo guys maybe ever. You know, Austin was up there, obviously, but nobody captivated an audience like The Rock. No. And then you look at Macho Man, who I couldn't even possibly try to mimic his voice. I won't. Where's Jay but, Lethal when you need him? Yeah, oh, I can't believe he does it that well. But Black Machismo was where it was at in TNA. And Macho Man never really got his due in WWF. But, you know, he still had a two, he was still a two time world champion, he was still an intercontinental champion. He was the king of the ring in 1987, and he's a Hall of Famer. 
on the flip side, you have the most electrifying man in all of entertainment, not just sports entertainment, because quite frankly, isn't he the highest paid actor in the world right now? (laughs) But before doing that, 10 time world champion, eight times with the WWE and two times with the WCW, two time intercontinental champion. He won a Royal Rumble in the year 2000. He's got a lot of slammies, obviously, because slammies matter, and five tag team championships. And he's had quite the array of tag team partners, three with Mankind, one with The Undertaker, one with Chris Jericho. You know, a lot of guys will tell you that The Rock was one of the GOATs, one of the greatest of all time. Same thing with Randy Savage. This match, above all else, would have been so entertaining on the microphone, just like Brian said. But they would have killed it in the ring, too. This match is definitely the match that goes before um, Austin and Hogan on a dream card, which we're definitely going to do a dream card one of these days. We are, without question. And look, Rock, Savage, I mean, come on. You can book a lot of matches that are going to draw a lot of money. Not as many are going to be as big as that. And, you know, as Bear said, you know, Macho Man maybe didn't get quite the accolades that one might expect of him obviously hogan was on top for a long time so being a multi-time world champion during the age of hogan is a big deal but at the same time even with his year-long reign it always felt like savage maybe he didn't get the respect he deserved but thankfully it seems like he every couple of years people stumble upon a great macho man promo And they're like, this guy was amazing. And they go back and they see that he was a great wrestler. Obviously, his match at WrestleMania 3 with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is really, I mean, we talked about Eddie and Sean being influential to a generation. That match influenced the generation and inspired generations to come, including guys like Shawn Michaels and Eddie Guerrero. So Randy Savage in the ring on the mic, about as good as it gets. Same thing with The Rock. It's a feud for the ages, and we wish we could have seen it. Thankfully, our last match, well, we're optimistic people. Perhaps we still can see it. Perhaps a cinematic match is what is needed to bring this to life, because the last match, if you want my honest opinion, is the definitive number one dream match that we never got to see, and that is Sting versus The Undertaker. And Bear, we've talked about this before, but realistically, there aren't many dark, brooding characters like Sting and The Undertaker that actually work. And those are the top two ever. And quite frankly, it's a travesty that we never got to see them go at it, especially at a WrestleMania. I'm still holding out hope that it's it could be a cinematic match one day, but... If we never get it, it's going to be one of those things where it's it's just like Sean versus Eddie. It's going to be just like Austin versus Hogan when it could have happened back in back when they were both in their primes. You know, Austin being the face of WWF, Hogan WCW. Same thing with Macho Man and The Rock. But then you look at this one; it can still happen. You know, it's if you guys go back to listen to an episode of ours it would be great we listed five wrestlers we'd love to see the undertaker face in one more match stings in there obviously and we'd be remiss not to bring it up again because this is probably 
I, I can't even say this is the dream match because I said that about Austin Hogan, but this would, the promo battles between these two would be awesome because they're both these dark brooding characters like Braden mentioned, like Brian, not Braden, what the hell, <laughs> excuse me. But Sting's resume, just so many NWA championship reigns, so many WCW championship reigns. He didn't have the success in WWE quite like the undertaker did, but that's okay. Because again, these two were each other's counterparts. You know, this was the dream feud growing up for us. I believe brain this, this is more of your wheelhouse. I'm going to let you take it away because I know the undertaker is your goat, but man, the possibilities are endless, right? Absolutely. And look for sting, you're talking about the only wrestler in history who is the WCW, NWA, and TNA world champion. And you might laugh at TNA now, but when Sting was world champion, that was a legitimate world championship. It was the second biggest promotion in the entire United States. It was one of the three or four biggest promotions in the world. It had partnerships with New Japan and AAA and all these other companies that are that big. So you could, honest, you could honestly argue they were the second biggest promotion in the world if you wanted to, and you'd have a leg to stand on. And Sting was on top five times during that run, once as NWA World Heavyweight Champion, four times as World Heavyweight Champion under the TNA alone banner. He had great matches with Kurt Angle and AJ Styles. He had a great feud with Christopher Daniels. He had a great match with Christian who is incredibly underrated, by the way. We're going to throw that in there any chance we get. Uh, look, Sting, much like The Undertaker, he's one of those guys where even if you take the characters out of it for a second, the longevity of both of their careers is absolutely ridiculous. You know, you look at the fact that Sting really kind of became a star in the late 80s and was steadily going at it. I mean, he had one of the pops, really one of the best pops in WWE history when he debuted at Survivor Series. And that was 27 years later. 27 years later, that dude is getting the pop of the year. That's nuts. And it's not for like a one-off appearance. He was steadily there. And the feud with Seth Rollins was entertaining. The loss to Triple H made zero sense, but that's another conversation for another day. Unfortunately, you know, an injury struck and I'd like to think that if not for that injury that Sting sustained, we would have gotten Sting versus The Undertaker. I guess can't say yes or no to that, but the reality is, I mean, Sting is a megastar. He's called the icon for a reason. Uh, he's done it everywhere and it just would have been cool to see him do it in WWE where he could have faced, I mean, my personal goat, The Undertaker, a guy who... I mean, you talk about longevity. The dude was wrestling for 30-plus years, much like Sting. Uh, what was it, 29 years in WWE? <laughs> his debut is one of the iconic moments in WWE history, and his last match is one of the most iconic moments in WWE history. You don't really get that very often, do you? Like, <laughs> that, that's Ever? Like, never right like no that that that's a pretty short list and i'm pretty sure it has one guy so you know taker is taker and sting is sting and the the similarities in their characters creates a lot of potential for interesting storylines where you know that these two creative geniuses could come up with something spectacular but there are also two guys who are 
tremendous in the ring. Very gifted athletes for being their size. You know, obviously we've talked a lot about the Undertaker being, I mean, people at one point build him as seven foot, but you know, six foot ten, almost three hundred pounds, and he moves the way he does. Sting, you know, it, it sounds funny to say, but one of the appealing things about quote unquote surfer sting is that this is a six two, two hundred fifty pound guy who's moving around the ring, obviously using some loose terms here when i say this but like a cruiserweight you know two guys who were very talented in the ring very talented on the mic creatively as characters great i mean if we could see crow sting versus the undertaker i mean come on that that's that's a dream match in every sense of the word and unfortunately we didn't get it but as we said there is still a possibility and if you want our opinion a cinematic match would be the perfect way to do it. But hey, we're not going to stop at five. That's not what we do here. We've always got more for you because we're, well, I guess, decent people. We try to be. Uh, I like to think so. Yeah. Well, we've we've got a little bit of a treat. We've got one honorable mention, a match that has never happened, and another honorable mention of a match that it shouldn't have happened the way it did. So we're going to pretend it didn't. And uh, yeah. I guess, I guess we'll start with the one that actually hasn't happened. And that is a contemporary star. One of the most popular wrestlers of the past 20 years. One of the best wrestlers of the past 20 years against the guy who we mentioned earlier, an absolute legend. And that is AJ styles against Shawn Michaels in a match where, I mean, Guys, everyone from Paul Heyman to Kurt Angle, et cetera, et cetera, has compared AJ to Sean. And I mean, you know how much I love AJ Styles and quite a big Shawn Michaels fan as well. If you want two guys who have influenced wrestlers around the world and also paved their own path while doing it, you can't really book a better pure wrestling match than AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. In a perfect world. You know, this would have happened, but while while AJ Styles was killing it in TNA, you know, Shawn Michaels was primarily dominating WWE, right? It these styles, pun intended, would clash very well because you don't get this might have this, I wanna say this would be the best wrestling match on the card, but I can't even say that. But from an entertainment standpoint, it would just be I'm sorry to say it, phenomenal. I'm killing it with the dad jokes today. Hey. You know, AJ AJ Styles um, kind of hinted at it on Twitter a couple of years ago before Shawn Michaels came back for that Super Showdown match that, that uh, didn't we happen. We, we shouldn't talk about it, so we won't. Bear is um, making up matches now. That didn't happen. Super Showdown did not happen. But what I was saying is um, on Twitter, AJ Styles teased it. Someone made a graphic of AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. And even I think Shawn Michaels even tweeted back at him that, like, never say never. And <laughs> if he did or if he didn't, whatever. Maybe I'm making stuff up. I don't know. This match would have just blew the roof off anywhere that it would have happened. It could happen in a small arena in Wyoming. And it would sell the place out. I'm sorry to anyone listening in Wyoming. I think we might have a listener in Wyoming. If we do and you hear this. Hit us up on the text line. We'll give you a shirt. Now, <laughs> this match, 
the class, the styles would clash. I, I mentioned that already. It's just brain. I know Sean's one of your goats. AJ is probably number two up there for you. This, the magnitude would just be insane, right? Look, you're talking about two of the most complete and versatile wrestlers ever. Two guys who are, you know, really for their generations, you know, you look at it when Shawn Michaels was coming up in the 80s, he was like the most athletic guy in wrestling. He, he was doing things physically that people could not wrap their heads around. And, and obviously there might be people who are more athletic. You understand there's some measure of hyperbole in wrestling. It's wrestling. Point is, Shawn Michaels was an athletic phenom who was blowing people away early in his careers. You know, you fast forward, I'd say, what, 10 to 15 years, and you get early AJ Styles and TNA where he's hitting springboard shooting star presses to the outside of the ring and spiral taps to end matches, same thing. And you look at it, and realistically, you know, countless wrestlers emulate AJ Styles, no pun intended, style, you know, not only the way he wrestles and the moves he did, but his attire, his whole look, the way he presents himself. AJ is an incredibly influential wrestler. So is Shawn Michaels. They're both pretty much flawless in the ring. I I don't know that there would be a better wrestling match on this hypothetical card. Eddie and Shawn and Brett and Kurt Angle obviously would give it a run for its money or possibly surpass it. But the fact that you can mention AJ versus Shawn in the same breath as Brett versus Kurt and Eddie versus Shawn says a lot about how good those guys are. And if you want a little more showmanship, well, we give you a match that we all will pretend didn't happen. It actually wasn't a bad match, but Ric Flair versus The Rock. Ric Flair, a 16-time world champion. He actually won more than that, but that's not the point. Ric Flair, the face of a generation for many wrestling fans and that generation included Hulk Hogan a, a guy who really was the heart and soul of professional wrestling outside of WWF he came to the, the WWF had the legendary she was hers she was mine before she was yours feud with Randy Savage over the world title a match that they wrestled at WrestleMania when somehow was like four matches away from the main event. I digress. Uh, Ric Flair, a, an absolute icon, you know, that beloved in wrestling circles, uh, larger than life personality. One of the best technical wrestlers of all time as well. When people ask the question of who had the best combination of in-ring ability and character work, Ric Flair is often at the top of that list. And yet, when he got into the ring with the People's Champion, it was on a random Raw in 2002. One would assume, if you're going to book a match of that magnitude, you save it for a pay-per-view, maybe a WrestleMania, right? You know, imagine what could have been if you gave this a proper build. These these two guys, they're a lot more similar than people realize, you know, Dwayne, I like to call it the Rock Dwayne. The Rock had one of the most memorable heel runs of all time. You know, Ric Flair, the dirtiest player in the game. We talked about the promo battle between Macho Man and The Rock. Imagine this one. You know what I mean? 
the dirtiest player in the game against the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. Like, inject that in my veins. Sign me the F up. You know what I mean? It's... <sighs> this whole podcast has me at a loss for words. You know? I can't even, like, explain just how insane these matches would have and could have been. It's... Lost for words yet again. I'm a horrible, horrible podcaster. It's okay. <laughs> that, that's that's what we need more of. Podcasts where we don't know what to say. Um, there you go. <laughs> with that, ladies and gentlemen, is five plus two dream matches that we wish we could have seen. Obviously, that we never were able to, but that we wish and truly, truly wish we could have seen. And if you want a summary in alphabetical order, heck, we'll throw the honorable mentions in there alphabetically too. AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle. Eddie Guerrero versus Shawn Michaels. Hulk Hogan versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Randy Savage versus The Rock. Ric Flair versus The Rock. And Sting versus The Undertaker. Now, do you agree with that list? Do you disagree with that list? Either way, it's okay. Let us know. We want to hear from you. And if you want to let us know and you want to get a damn shirt, well, Bear's got a number that you can call, text, send a carrier pigeon to, do whatever you want. 614-450-0366. 614-450-0366. And by the time you guys hear this, maneuver.net slash heel turns and headlocks. I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited. We're going to have hoodies. I think they have a hat option too. Don't quote me on that yet. Um, they have a tank top option. They have long sleeve options. We are so excited. And, you know, above all else, keep interacting with us on so with us on social media the way you guys have. It's been awesome. Which, shout out to Brian, by the way, because he's the social media guy. I This is just the Brian LaPray show starring, um, not starring, co-starring Barry DiGiulio, but... Heel turns and headlocks just sounds cooler than the Brain Little Prey show. No offense. Hey, he, he's being modest, ladies and gentlemen. The point is, we are incredibly grateful for your support. And all we want is for you all to use this number. Heck, you can even use the comment section. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you agree with, disagree with. Interact with us. We want to know. Maybe we'll try and set something up where you can call in live to an episode. I might be writing a check my ass cat catch, but that's okay. Book it. We're, we're 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 doing our best to uh, uh, grow this in a way that justifies the incredible support that you've shown to us, and truthfully, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for all of this support. Please, if you're going out in public, keep on wearing a mask. If you're staying at home, keep on doing whatever it is that keeps you sane. And if you're anything like us, keep on loving professional wrestling. Boom. By the way, by the way, I don't think we swore this episode. Oh, clean. Look at that. Coming at you. Look at that. Boom. And I'm stopping the recording before Bear can mess it up. Do it. <laughs> You've been listening to Heel Turns and Headlocks with Bear DiGiulio and Brian LaPrey. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon with more. But until then, reach out on Facebook at Heel Turns and Headlocks on Twitter at Heel underscore Turns underscore Pod and on Instagram at Heel Turns and Headlocks. We'll see you next time.